All right, welcome back everyone. Uh, thank you to those of us who are just joining. Uh, my name is Michael Fraud. I am the Assistant Program Director at Grisha. Very excited to have everyone here for the second class of our two class uh, Yom Iyun, our pre-Pesach learning together. Uh, so we are going to be continuing. We just had our great first session uh, with Dr. Fersenberg on uh, the structure of the Seder and the Greco-Roman Symposium. And we are going to now continue with remembering the Korban Pesach in Masech Psachim and in ancient Jewish sources with Yadida Koren. Uh, Yadida Koren is currently completing her PhD on Mamzerim and lineage in rabbinic literature at Tel Aviv University. Uh, she's taught at Trisha, Yeshiva Hadar, Bar-Ilan University, and at the Paideya Institute in Stockholm, as well as studying at Drisha Matan, Migdal Oz, and Midrasha Lindenbaum. Uh, she holds a BA in Talmud and Classics from the Hebrew University and is also a fellow of the Maskilo program at the Hartman Institute in Jerusalem. Uh, for this class, remembering the Korban Pesach in Masech Sachim and in ancient Jewish sources, we are going to think about the ways in which the Seder night is intended as remembering and reenacting the Korban Pesach, the Pesach sacrifice, and the ways in which the Korban Pesach itself was intended to reenact the first Pesach offering that was celebrated in Egypt. Alongside sources from Masech Psachim, we are going to be looking at additional ancient Jewish sources that reminisce about this offering, but in a variety of very different ways. Uh, and uh, with that, I think we can get started. Great. Hi, everyone. Um, it's very exciting to be here. Um, I'm also joining you from Jerusalem. Um, and it's very exciting to be able to teach at Risha from Jerusalem. Um, thank you, Michael. And I, um, I just want to say, I don't know if, how it, if it got to you, but I sent a link for the source sheet. Um, to Michael and hopefully he can uh, share it with you so that um, you can uh, flip through the source sheet uh, and uh, study the sources um, while I'm talking and not only when I share my screen. Um, okay, so this is a wonderful opportunity um, um, to take advantage also of the Siyum of Masachat Psachim and that this is happening um, several days before Pesach, um, to think both about um, uh, memory in Masechet Pesachim and memory in um, Leila Seder. And this connects with, uh, I was happy that uh, Neil Nahum uh, asked his question. Um, it connects with uh, what he was talking about. What is the story that we're telling? What is the memory that we're remembering um, when we are um, having Leila Seder? Um, so I'm going to start off with the first uh, source. Wait, let me share my screen. Um, is from Sefer Shmot, and really is the beginning of um, when we even hear about Pesach. Um, um, the Torah says, "Vaya yom azelachem lazikaron vechagotem otzo chag laHashem ladorotechem chukat olam techagu." Pesach is a day of memory. Um, what are we remembering on Pesach? What are we remembering on Lela Seder? 
So the simplest, most straightforward answer is, of course, Yitziat Mitzrayim. Um, what else can be we can we be remembering on Pesach? Um, but um, what I want to show um, today is that in addition to remembering Yitziat Mitzrayim, there are a lot of sources in Masechet Pesachim um, and Masechet Pesachim itself um, um, that show how Pesach and Lela Seder is also about remembering the temple. Um, and there's a lot of tension with um, uh, remembering the temple um, because there's a fine line, um, especially on Lela Seder, between remembering and reenacting. And uh, when is a memory too close to the thing itself? Um, and when um, we cross the line between remembering and reenacting, um, uh, when it comes to the temple, then we go too far. Um, so we're going to be thinking about um, what we're supposed to be remembering Alela Seder. Um, how do we remember? Um, what's the difference between memory and reenacting? Um, what is the tension between Yetziat Mitzrayim and the um, Korban Pesach from the Mikdash? Um, what is their presence in our Leila Seder? Um, and in the end, um, we're going to have a little bit of time to see two other different kinds of um, models thinking about Leila Seder that are not about memory. Um, so um, so let's, let's glance through several of these sources um, that uh, show st really straightforwardly that First of all, Pesach is about remembering um, Yitziat Mitzrayim. Um, so the second um, um, piece of uh, sources that I brought from Shmot uh, Yudbet um, are an answer that a father says to their, um, that people are supposed to tell their sons when they ask them about um, the Korban Pesach generations later. When your sons ask you, what is this that you're doing? What is this ritual? What is this rite? So, um, Pesach is about remembering um, that God spared the houses of Israel when he um, uh, smote the Egyptians. And the same thing is in uh, Sefer Dvarim, um, when it um, commands the mitzvah of, uh, also of Korban Pesach and Chag HaMatzot. Um, uh, so this holiday is about is about remembering Yitziat Mitzrayim. This is what this holiday is about. Um, what's fascinating is when we glance through Masechet Pesachim, and when we study Masechet Pesachim for several months, nearing up to Pesach, um, Yitziat Mitzrayim has very little um, space in Masechet Pesachim, and instead, a very large portion of Masechet Pesachim is all about the Mikdash. And it's especially about remembering what used to be in the Mikdash and no longer is. Um, the Mishnah is um, 
um, redacted um, in the second century. Um, this is after um, Chobanabait, and there are five chapters in Masechet Psachim that consists of 10 chapters. Half of Masechet Psachim is about the Korban Pesach. So part of it is a description, I'll read it shortly, um, of how Korban Pesach was done in the Mikdash. And other um, parts are about um, how you're supposed to roast the Korban Pesach, how you're supposed to eat it with a certain group. Um, what to, how you're supposed, what kind of intention does one need to have when um, uh, slaughtering the Korban Pesach. Many, many rules about Korban Pesach and Pesach Sheni. Um, all of this is not, um, is not part of the reality of the Tanaim, but it's important for them, and this is part of a larger, broader project in the Mishnah, that in general, a, lar a large proportions of the Mishnah are about remembering the Mikdash. But in this case, it's especially striking because Masechet um, Psachim, right, which is Pesach, is really all about remembering Yitziat Mitzrayim. Suddenly, Masechet Psachim, and when we learn the Mishnah, and especially when we learn the Bavli, so much about it is remembering the Mikdash, and it's not about remembering Yitziat Mitzrayim. Um, so I'm going to read quickly just a little bit of this source. Um, the Paschal lamb was slaughtered in three groups. It is stated in the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall slaughter in the afternoon. Assembly, congregation, and Israel. These are the three groups. The first group entered and the temple courtyard became filled. They closed the doors of the temple courtyard. They blasted. Kiat warned Kiat. The priest stood in rows and rows and their hands were filled with bowls um, of silver and bowls of gold. The row entirely of silver was silver. The row entirely of gold was gold and they were not mixed. And the bulls did not have bases, lest they set them down and the blood would congeal. So um, this is one piece out of a description of how exactly uh, the Korban Pesach was uh, happening. And this is uh, very theatrical. Um, and um, whether or not this is historically or not historically accurate, it's not exactly historically accurate, um, based on other sources that we have from the time of the temple. Um, but, uh, but nonetheless, um, what's important here is that the Mishnah is um, devoted and dedicated to remembering um, the Korban Pesach, not the Korban Pesach of Pesach Mitzrayim, but the Korban Pesach of the Mikdash. Um, and there is one Mishnah in the Masechet that says something about Pesach Mitzrayim. And this is just, a Mishnah that is following a Mishnah about Pesach Sheni. The, the, um, the, in um, the ninth chapter, the third Mishnah um, talks about the differences between uh, Pesach Rishon and Pesach Sheni. And then uh, two Mishnayot afterwards, Ma ben Pesach Mitzrayim, le Pesach Dorot. So Pesach Mitzrayim, Pesach Dorot, what is really the difference between them? And there are certain um, rules that, that dif make them different. Pesach Mitzrayim ikhomi be'asar ve'ta'una zayah ve'abudat dezov al ha'mashkof ve'al shtei ha'mezuzot ve'nechal be'chipazon la'ila echad. Ve'pesach dorot no'e kol shiv'a. So Pesach Mitzrayim, there are these special rules. Um, it has to be taken um, from uh, Yud ben Isan. Um, you have to sprinkle the blood um, and you have to eat it quickly in one night. And Pesach dorot, this is not the Korban Pesach, this is just in general, the holiday itself, it's, it lasts for seven days. Um, this is what the Mishnah has about um, Pesach Mitzrayim. 
and um, um, and also the Bavli, it could it could have a long agadita about its Yad Mitzrayim, like um, for example, Masechet Megillah in the Bavli has a very long agadita about um, um, Megillat Esther, um, but there isn't a very long agadita about its Yad Mitzrayim. Um, there are pages and pages and pages about um, Kavana and Korban Pesach. Um, so the, the, the overlap between Masechet Pesachim and Lela Seder is um, the 10th chapter. Um, uh, and in the 10th chapter, we see that there is presence um, for remembering its Yat Mitzrayim, um, obviously. For example, Rabban Gamliel um, says there are three things that you need to say, and the reasons for this are because we need to remember um, uh, of course, is because um, uh, the Egyptians embittered um, our lives, um, and um, and also in the in the Gemara, um, there's discussion about, for example, the Charoset. Why do we need Charoset? Charoset is um, in memory of the Tit of the um, mortar or in memory of the apple tree that there's an Agadah that's connected to um, um, the enslavement of the um, Israelites in Egypt. Um, so elements of our Lela Seder are connected to um, remembering Yitziat Mitzrayim and telling the story of Yitziat Mitzrayim. And this is um, manifest also in the food that um, we eat and in the things that we say. Um, 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 but in parallel to that, the place of the Mikdash is also surprisingly prominent um, in Lela Seder. So um, this is an interesting um, parallel to a, a text that uh, if we remember the Haggadah, um, every year I need to refresh my memory, so some of you might also, but uh, this might strike a similar chord, but it's not about Yitziat Mitzrayim. The Tosefta says, Chayav Adam Lasok Beilchot HaPesach Kol Alayla. Hilchot HaPesach is the Korban Pesach. Right? A person needs to engage with learning the laws of the Paschal sacrifice all night. That's what one needs to do. Afilu Ben Oleven Bno, Afilu Ben Oleven Atzmo, Afilu Ben Oleven Tamidu. Maaseh Berabban Gamliel Uzkenim. שהיו מסובים בבית בטוס בנזונים בלוד, והיו עסוקים בהלכות הפסח כל הלילה, עד קרות הגבר. הגביעו מלפניהן ונועדו והלכו להן לבית המדרש. So um, this is very similar to what we know about how one must um, engage in the story of Yitziat Mitzrayim all night, but instead of telling us that we need to engage in the story of Yitziat Mitzrayim, the Tosefta is saying that we need to um, talk about the laws of Korban Pesach. Um, so even though this um, we don't do, um, we have an alternative, right? Instead of instead of discussing Korban Pesach all night, we discuss Yitziat Mitzrayim all night, and our ethos is that we have to discuss Yitziat Mitzrayim all night. But still, there are elements in our Lela Seder that are about remembering the Mikdash. For example, Korech, Zecher la Mikdash This appears in the Gemara. Um, it was very helpful as I was preparing for this shiur every time I learned another daf, and there was another source that was helpful for this. Um, 
So um, um, there's a discussion how you're supposed to eat the matzah and the maror, if you're supposed to eat them together, if you're supposed to eat them separate. And Hillel would eat them all together. Um, um, and what the Gemara says is that what we do now, what we're supposed to do, because it's not clear if you should eat them separately or not, we eat them, we make a bracha for each one and eat them separately, and then we eat them together. Zecher lamikdash kehilel. And Hillel would, of course, put the Korban Pesach in with it. Um, we just eat the matzah and the maror and remember the mikdash. Um, and the food that we eat, just as the food that we eat, for example, the charoset, maror, remind us of Yitziat Mitzrayim, the food that we eat, according to um, Amoraim, reminds us of Korban Pesach. The, I mean, today, it's a later development from the Middle Ages when exactly we started having the Zroa and the Beitzah for Korban Pesach and Korban Chagiga. But there, there is a discussion in, um, in the Gemara about the, the food that one needs to have on his plate on um, Lela Seder. And um, in the discussion, Rav Yosef says, Tzarich shnei minei basar, echad zecher lapesach, vechad zecher lachagiga. Um, so when we're, while we're remembering Yitziat Mitzrayim, we're also remembering um, Pesach, Korban Pesach and Korban Chagig. Um, and um, um, using meat to remember the Korban Pesach is where the, um, really the memory and the reenactment become too close. Um, um, so there's a, um, a discussion that comes up every so often um, in the Gemara, and uh, it also appears elsewhere, um, which is a very connected to a very interesting practice, which is um, eating gdi uh, mekulas, um, eating a whole roasted kid or a whole roasted lamb on lela seder. Um, um, so let's. Um, Let's see some of the sources. What is the what is the problem with uh, with eating a whole roasted lamb on uh, on Lela Seder? Um, the problem is that this might be a little too similar to the Korban Pesach itself, which was a whole roasted lamb or a whole roasted kid. Um, so um, so there was a debate um, whether or not. Um, um, it was permitted to observe this practice of eating a whole roasted lamb. In Mishnah Beitzah, um, uh, there are three things that Rabban Gamliel is machmir about them, and then there are three things that he is mekel about them, and this is given as one of the things that he is mekel about. Um, the third one is, v'osin osrim. So Rabban Gamliel allows um, this practice of the gdi mekulas, of eating a whole roasted uh, kid on um, the eaves of Passover, and Chachamim prohibit. Um, um, and I'm going to skip the Tosefta, the beginning of the Tosefta. Um, this custom, uh, it's interesting to think about the history of it. It seems that it uh, existed in uh, distant communities not necessarily only in rabbinic circles, or maybe not at all in rabbinic circles, but only in other communities. Um, there is uh, this uh, testimony of Rabbi Yosei, 
אין תוספת החגיגה. תודוס איש, תוספת הביצה, תודוס איש רומי, הנהיג את פני רומי לקח טלאים בלילי פסחים ועושין אותם מקולסים. So there was a great man of Rome, um, a prominent Jew of Rome, Theodos of Rome, who instituted the custom for, custom for the Jews of Rome that they would take a whole lamb and roast it on the eaves of Passover. And the rabbis, the sages said to him, אמרו לו, אף הוא קרוב לאכיל קודשים בחוץ, מפני שקוראים אותם פסחים. So it is too, it's, it's getting too close. The, 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 you're crossing the line between remembering and reenacting um, the Korban Pesach. Um, um, and um, in, we, can't, we can't go that far um, to roast a whole kid. Um, because uh, it, all, it looks almost as if we're really eating um, uh, korban outside of the mikdash. Um, and here also there's this interesting um, tension because really um, the korban Pesach itself in the mikdash is remembering the whole roasted lamb from um, Yitziat Mitzrayim. So when the people of Rome, the Jews of Rome, um, or the house of Rabban Gamliel, um, perhaps, are eating this whole roasted lamb, are they trying to remember the Korban Pesach um, from the Mikdash? Are they trying to remember um, Yitziat Mitzrayim? Are they, is it, is it both? Um, um, what, what exactly is going on? Um, and um, interestingly, even if the whole roasted lamb was not something that, uh, that was something that was a little too, it was too much, but the Mishnah does allow um, for uh, eating roasted meat there and, and says that there, there was a custom, forget about the whole roasted lamb, that's a little too much, but there was in Mishnah Psachim, um, in the fourth chapter, um, um, it says that in a place that where people are accustomed to eat roasted meat on the eaves of Pesach, you can eat roasted meat on the eaves of, eaves of Pesach. And a place where they were not accustomed to eat roasted meat, probably it was too much, um, too close to the korban itself, then they didn't eat this, then, then you shouldn't eat this, you shouldn't eat roasted meat on Pesach. Um, and this isn't necessarily, this isn't a whole kid, this is just, um, just plain old roasted meat. Um, and still, um, um, we see this tension. There are certain places, there are certain customs of eating it and others that are not. And really, we find this also in the Arba Kushiot of the Mishnah. Um, in the Arba Kush, uh, really, there are three in the Mishnah, but sorry, in the Kushiot of the Mishnah, um, one of the questions, we don't ask this anymore, is So the kushiot of the Mishnah reflect this practice. This is after the Chorban. And still, um, Lela Seder is special in um, eating roasted meat. And um, this is... Um, uh, also in memory of Yetziat Mitzrayim, but also reminds us of the Korban Pesach. And that's why in the Gemara, 
when we say, um, Rava says, when we say Pesach, Matzah, Umaror, we do not raise the meat. And this is always a thing that we need to remember every year in my family on Lela Seder. Um, when we raise the three um, things or we point to the three things when we uh, recite Rabban Gamliel Omer, Pesach, Matzah, Umaror, you are not supposed to point to the Zroa when, um, when you're saying Pesach because it's not Pesach and it's getting too close if we say that it is. Um, so um, um, this really is a, a tension of trying to remember, trying to remember the Mikdash and also what is the place, what is the place of the Mikdash in our Pesach today when we, when, when we are now, or we are the Chachamim are not so different from us. Um, even though um, hundreds of years separate us, um, they are after the Choban, we are after the Choban. Are we, are we now still only remembering Yetziat Mitzrayim, or are we also trying to remember something additional? Um, and this tension uh, is, uh, arises um, in um, the machloket between Rabbi Tarfon and Rabbi Akiva, of how we say the bracha, the geula, um, in the closing part of uh, Magid. Um, what do we say? So Rabbi Tarfon says, Asher gealanu, vegaalet avotenu mimitzrayim, veigianu alai lazeh, veinochotem. So the language of the bracha is, we were redeemed, our fathers were redeemed from Egypt, and we arrived at this night. This is what Leila Seder is about. It's about redemption from Egypt, and that's it. And we got to this night and we were redeemed from Egypt. And we're only looking back to our redemption from Egypt. And we're in a sense ignoring the chapter of the temple in between. And, but Rabbi Akiva says, Rabbi Akiva Omer, he adds, we have to add to this Baha, and this is what we say, um, so, um, and this is what we say today, right? We don't only thank God for taking us out of Egypt. Lela Seder um, is not only today about um, leaving Egypt, says Rabbi Akiva, but we're also um, um, making the Mikdash present in our Lela Seder, and we're making its absence present. And the Geulah is no longer only about Yetziat Mitzrayim. The Geulah also on Pesach is about the Mikdash as well. Um, we have to... Um, while we're, while we're thanking God for taking us out of Egypt, we're acknowledging that um, we're also waiting for a time when we can again um, uh, have the Pesachim and the Zvachim, right? We can eat the Pesach sacrifice. Um, and that our Lela Seder is, is not, it's not um, full without, without the Korban Pesach. Um, I'm going to pause here before I go to the other sources because they're going to take us to a different uh, direction in case people have questions.
I have a, just a quick question. It's just, I didn't quite understand, uh, maybe it's not something you would answer, but the, uh, that it says that Hillel, Zecher, uh, uh, he uh, ate the three things together. Well, of course he ate the three things together. That's what the Torah says to do. Why, why is it specifically uh, in remembrance of uh, Hillel? Um, so, so for the, for the Amoraim and the Gemara, it, you're right, right. I mean, first of all, you're right. That's what the Torah says. Um, however, for the Amoraim and the Gemara, because this becomes sort of, um, this, each one becomes a halachic mitzvah. So the question is, if, um, if we eat um, matzah and maror together, um, do they cancel each other out? Can we, if we only taste, if we, we can't taste each one on itself, by itself, maybe um, we're not uh, fulfilling our chiyuv. Um, um, so this, this is, um, I mean, this is an interesting way of, of thinking about a sort of an eating practice. Um, and perhaps it also shows how, um, how far it was from the actual celebration of, of, of the meat and the matzah and the maror and eating it together as a sandwich, um, yeah. Yeah, right. so it became just remembering like Hillel did in the Mikra. From an ancient Jewish source um, um, that dates way before the time of the Tanaim to um, um, the sometime in the second century um, uh, BC um, called the Book of Jubilees. Um, and um, the Book of Jubilees was um, um, written um, as uh, what's called a rewritten Bible. Um, it retells the story of, um, from the creation um, with all sorts of twists and turns um, and embellishments and, um, um, and changes um, to the story itself. But it's told as, as Torah. Um, it's told as... Um, um, uh, the the framework for this for the book is Moshe going up to the house Sinai and the uh, angel of the presence telling him um, um, telling him all the Torah. And in Sefer Ayovlim, uh, the mitzvah of Pesach is slightly different um, from the mitzvah of Pesach that we know it, um, that's in the Torah or that is. Um, um, that we know from Sifrut uh, Chazal. Um, so it's very interesting uh, to compare what Pesach was in ancient Judaism during the time of the Second Temple itself. Um, what was Pesach for other kinds of Jews, other groups of Jews? Um, so, for example, um, in Sefer uh, Ayovlim, it's in the part that I brought for you, but it's in the small uh, letter, in the small font. Um, uh, Pesach can only be celebrated by men who are above age 20. Um, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not a family affair. It's, uh, it's for men who are above age 20 who go to the temple and do this as sort of a, a, a right. Uh, it shouldn't be given to children or women, chas um, v'chalila, in their eyes, of course. Um, so, um, so Pesach for them is also a Yom Zikaron. 
but it's a very different kind of Yom Zikaron. So I'm going to read only the, the large uh, font. Um, so it was a great question. It was originally written in Hebrew, but we don't have the Hebrew original. Um, it was from Hebrew translated into um, uh, Greek, and we don't have much of that either. Um, from Greek, it was translated into ancient Ethiopian, and that is what we have. Um, so this um, is a kind of a second-rate reconstruction, this language. Uh, yes, um, but we do have small pieces in Hebrew that were found in Qumran, um, in the caves of Qumran, uh, from uh, a little bit after the time that uh, the book was composed. So we know that it existed in Hebrew. Um, uh, and we have small parts of it. And from this style um, is this uh, reconstruction. It's a, modern, it's a modern scholarly reconstruction? Yeah, yes, yes, it was translated. This translation that I brought to you in Hebrew is, you can see in the footnote, by Kana Verman. Um, and um, um, the English is by James Vanderkam. Um, so I'll read the English because the Hebrew might, uh, we need to sort of digest what's going on. Um, now you order the Israelites to celebrate the Passover each year during their generations, once a year on a specific day. Then a pleasing memorial will come before the Lord and no plague will come upon them to kill and strike them during that year when they have celebrated the Passover at its time in every respect as it was commanded. So what is the Korban Pesach for Jubilees? What is the memory for Jubilees? When, when we read in Sefer Shemot, V'chagotem Zikaron, it's not, it's not at all about historic memory. The memory is that God is remembering us every single year. Only if we do the Korban Pesach properly. So if Bnei Israel do the Korban Pesach properly, that specific year, they will not have a plague. They will not have um, destruction. And this needs to be done every single year for the protection of the entire year that comes, that follows. Um, so first of all, this sounds very similar to how we think about Rosh Hashanah. Um, this is the Rosh, Rishon Hulachem They take this seriously. Pesach is in a sense, this holiday of the beginning of a year. And because it's a holiday of the beginning of the year, the way that Korban Pesach is celebrated will determine whether Bnei Israel will be protected for that year. Um, in, this, in this framing, the Korban Pesach is not about remembering its Yat Mitzrayim. Jubilees tells about the first Korban Pesach that happened um, in Mitzrayim, 
but this was a first of many that are exactly of its kind, just as the first Korban Pesach was meant to protect Bnei Israel in Mitzrayim, so too every single year Korban Pesach needs to happen in order to protect Bnei Israel every single year. It's in a sense it's it's very strong because to them it's not enough not enough to have an entire holiday that's all about an entire sacrifice. Think about it. It's a sacrifice, an entire sacrifice that has no significance of its own, except for the fact that it's in order to remember something that happened, right? That's, that's in our narrative, in the rabbinic narrative, in the biblical narrative. The only reason we celebrate Korban Pesach is to um, remember an event that happened many, many years ago. For Yovlim, the Korban Pesach, in a sense, is, is real. It's real every single year. It's doing, it's doing the protective um, work that it, that it did the first time. It's doing every single year since. And that's why, and that's why we need to bring it. It's a much stronger incentive um, to do the Korban Pesach um, because every year we're going to need this protection. Um, and then... Um, uh, the historical aspect of Pesach kind of uh, uh, disappears. Um, so if I'm going to move on to the last, uh, the last source, but if anyone has questions about Sefer uh, Yovlim, now is the time. Can I ask you a question? Uh, it's, it sounds to me like an amulet or something to do with magic. Yes. So, am I right? And does Sefer Yovlim have more of this kind of uh, magic? Yes, yes. So clear, yes, definitely. And, um, and you're right with your intuition, a lot of um, Sefer Ayovlim, when it talks about certain mitzvot, for example, Brit Milah, which is also very similar to Pesach, it's very much about uh, protective, has a protective element to it. And the, the mashchit, um, the destructor, um, is very uh, present in, in its... Um, uh, in its worldview. Um, and um, um, these are ideas that also exist. Um, we can find them hinted here and there in uh, Sifrut Chazal also. Um, but in Yovlim, it's, it's explicit and that is what it's, a, that's what a lot of is about. Yeah. To which century is the book attributed? Uh, the late second century BC. Thank you. Um, uh, any more questions? Okay. So our final source that I wanted that I um, am excited to bring. Um, so this is a piyut that I have never said. <laughs> Maybe when I was uh, very young, uh, my family made Aliyah when I was six years old. So I have celebrated only one day of Pesach since. Um, and um, it's a piyut that I know um, only from the page that we skip in the Haggadah, but it's a fascinating piyut. Um, um, and um, what, what the piyut um, is about, I'll, let's say a few words about the piyut. The piyut v'amartem zevach pesach was written by Rabbi Eliezer Akalir. Um, in the land of Israel sometime around the 6th century. Um, and originally it was not a piyut for um, Leila Sena, it was a piyut for Shacharit of Pesach, um, but it was taken in the Middle Ages um, and put in the Haggadah. 
um, in the parts of Mirza that are after the after the core part of um, of Lenasimah. Um, and what the, the piyut is, um, is building off of an idea that uh, already happens in, uh, in the other, in its twin piyut, um, in that um, it points to all sorts of biblical moments um, and events as um, happening on Pesach. So Vaiba Chatzia um, points to all sorts of biblical events that happened on, according to tradition, Yudalad Vinisan. But this view takes it one step further, Vamartem Zevach Pesach, and it's based on traditions um, in, uh, um, in Midrashim. Um, not only did these events happen on that specific date, but Pesach as a holiday was celebrated by biblical figures way before Bnei Israel existed. And of course, way before they even went down to Egypt in the first place. Um, so the first stanza is like, uh, um, there are some introduction, words of introduction. Um, um, I'll read the English. The courage of your wondrous powers you displayed on Pesach. At the head of all festivals, you raised up Pesach, and you revealed yourself to Ezrachi on the midnight of Pesach. Ezrachi is a, a nickname for Abraham in a, in a Midrashic tradition. Um, and this is based on a tradition that Brit ben Abtarim happened on the night of Pesach. And then the chorus, and you shall say it, is the Pesach. And the next two um, verses are the ones that I find most fascinating. On his door you knocked in the heat of day on Pesach. He prepared a feast of matzot for the fiery angels on Pesach. And to the herd he ran for the ox in memory of the bull order on Pesach. And you shall say it is the Pesach sacrifice. So who is the person, who, what is the biblical story that is hinted in this verse, it's the beginning of Parashat Vayera. Um, Abraham, that when Abraham was sitting outside Kichom Hayom, the angels came, and when he says, when Abraham says to her, Sarah, make um, lushi ugot kemach solet. Really, these are matzot, um, based on a drasha of ugot. Ugot matzot kilo chametz in Sefer Shmot, and um, Sarah is making ugot, and these are ugot matzot. Um, so Abraham and Sarah are eating matzot on Pesach together with their the angels that came to visit them. And then the next um, stanza, um, the same thing happens with Lot. All, all, only there, it's even um, explicit uh, in the in the Tanakh, so it's easier to make the drasha that he made matzot when the angels came to Lot's house to tell him that uh, God is going to destroy Sodom, um, he made matzah for them. Um, and so we have Abraham, Sarah, and the angels, and Lot all eating matzah on Pesach, which means that the holiday of Pesach existed um, way before Bnei Israel came to be way before they went down to Egypt 
and of course, way before they um, left Egypt. So this is why I'm just going to show you here the verses um, the, in Sefer Shemot, Ugot Matzot Kilo Chametz, and um, in the two stories we have Vasi Ugot and Umatzot Afar Yochelet. So, um, um, okay. So this is why um, um, this piyut, I call it either um, a trans-historical perception of Pesach or an ahistorical perception of Pesach. Um, Pesach as a holiday with the mitzvah of matzot, it existed before, um, um, it existed before B'nai Israel existed. It existed before the um, enslavement in Egypt existed. Um, and, and then what does, what, what does this do to the historic element of Pesach? What does this do to, to Zecher Litziat Mitzrayim? In a sense, Pesach is no longer about Zecher Litziat Mitzrayim. Pesach sort of exists on its own. Um, and this, um, this idea is connected to a broader theme that we have in rabbinic sources, ancient Jewish sources, that the Torah existed before the creation of the world, that all of the Avot um, observe the Torah. Um, so this is part of a, of a wider tradition. But what, what happens is that Pesach is, is the um, quintessential historic holiday. It's about remembering a historic event. And when we make Pesach ahistoric, when we make Pesach existing before all of this, um, then, then it, it detaches from the historic, um, from its historic significance. Um, and the, um, and in the piyut itself, so Yetziat Mitzrayim, um, has one, uh, one and a half stanzas that are dedicated to Yetziat Mitzrayim. Um, um, the Mikdash has no presence whatsoever. I'm going to return to this. So you can see that after Sdom, the next stanza is about, um, is about uh, Makat Bechorot. But then there are other stanzas about Milchemet Midian and about um, um, the fall of Bavel, and then Esther um, uh, on Pesach, and then the Geula um, is also going to happen on Pesach. Um, so this, in this piyut, um, Pesach existed before time, um, and Pesach will be the moment of Geula, and the Mikdash, the Mikdash does not exist in this piyut, and Yetziat Mitzrayim is one chapter of many moments in which Pesach happened. Um, and this is, um, we can think about this as a, a mystical uh, way of thinking about Pesach, an apocalyptic way of thinking about Pesach. Um, but I think there's something um, very strong um, about thinking about Pesach in this way, because a lot of our Lela Seder is about the lack of Mikdash. We no longer have the Mikdash. And um, um, we, we talk about Korban Pesach, Zecher la Mikdash, and the Barachah of the Geula, we pray that um, 
Hashem will restore the Mikdash and we can uh, toss the blood on the Mizbeach. And then we're sitting, so we're sitting in Lela Seda with this, with this big hole, with this big lack. We're lacking the Mikdash. Um, when we think about Pesach in this, in this different way, in this other way, um, so, so suddenly um, we're not lacking anything. And, and when we're our celebration of Pesach is another one moment, one instance of Pesach um, that is uh, like other instances of Pesach um, that happened before there was a Mikdash, when Lot gave Matzah to the Malachim. Um, and it will, and the same, and Pesach will also happen um, in the time of the Geulah. Um, and our Lela Seder is, is one kind of manifestation of Pesach, and, um, and we should celebrate it as, as it is. Um, so, thank you, everyone. And uh, well, you're welcome to ask a question. Thank you so much um, for this really wonderful session, and thank you, everyone, for, for being here. Uh, before we head out and conclude our Yom Iyun, I wanted to make a quick plug for the remainder of our upcoming Pesach programs uh, or pre-Pesach programs. This coming Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, we have an event called Seder Telling that's going to feature uh, four different storytellers from the Jewish world telling the story, retelling the story of the Seder in their own words going back in some ways to some of the ideas that we've talked about today of the different kinds of texts or the different associations of memory that we may have outside of the text of the Haggadah that we're familiar with. So another opportunity to engage with some of those different interpretations and some of the ways that we might think about telling the story that we're not used to from our regular Seder. Uh, again, that's gonna be on Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. And on Thursday, the 25th at eight in the morning, Eastern, we have our Tani Bechorotsium with Rabbanit Leah Sarna, our Associate Director of Education. Uh, she's going to be making her Sium on Masach Psachim, which uh, concludes tomorrow in the Daf Yomi cycle. So for anyone who wants to be present for that Sium, uh, we invite you to be present with that at 8 a.m. on Thursday. And then after, Pesach, we are going to be starting our next series of classes. The theme is going to be perspectives on plague. So during the period of time between Pesach and Shavuot, we will have eight new classes running, dealing with a number of different perspectives, uh, historical, theological, and more related to the idea of plague, as well as a few things specifically related to COVID-19 and what we have been experiencing for the past year. Information on all of those classes, both our pre and post Pesach offerings is on our website at drisha.org slash classes. And you can also feel free to email me at fraud at drisha.org if you have any questions. Um, but again, thank you so much to, to both of our teachers today for really, really wonderful material for sending us into Pesach and into Lel Hasedar with, with really great new perspectives and uh thank you so much to all of you for being here and we hope to see you again soon <laughs>